Welcome to season two of Between the Reads, where we share and celebrate black independently published authors. We get in between the pages of books and discuss characters, share writing tips, and talk about the importance of being black in the authors. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You can help us shine the light on the amazing authors showcased here by sharing this podcast with your friends and family, rating it on your preferred podcast app, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash between the reads. Are you ready, booze and bros? Then sit back, relax, and let's get to it. Rita Williams Garcia's Newbery Honor Book, One Crazy Summer, was a winner of the Coretta Scott King Award, a National Book Award finalist, the recipient of the Scott O'Dell Award for Historical Fiction, and a New York Times bestseller. The two sequels, PSB 11 and Gone Crazy in Alabama, were both Coretta Scott King Author Award winners and ALA Notable Children's Books. Her novel, Clayton Bird Goes Underground, was a National Book Award finalist and winner of the NAACP Image Award for Youth Teen Literature. Rita is also the author of five other distinguished novels for young adults. Jumped, a National Book Award finalist, No Laughter Here, Every Time a Rainbow Dies, a publisher's weekly best children's book, Fast Talk on a Slow Track, all ALA best books for young adults, and Blue Tights. Her latest book is A Sitting in St. James. Rita Williams Garcia lives in Jamaica, New York with her husband and has two adult daughters. Rita, welcome to Between the Reads. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure (laughs) to be here. Oh, well, I'm so honored to have such a notable author on my show. You've won so many awards. That is amazing. Let me congratulate you on every single one. Thank you. I'm taking all my bows. (laughs) Well, they are well-deserved. They are (laughs) well-deserved. So let's get right into it. When I was reading this book, A Sitting in St. James, I kept asking myself, why in the world were you writing a book about a plantation-owning family? And then after I finished the book, in your note from the author at the end, you made it clear as to why. But I want you to share that reason with our readers. Okay. So, um, yes, I took I took on that direction uh, knowing that I might not be invited to family Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> um, because I had that link with my ancestors. My grandmother told us about her, um, about her grandparents' who raised her, um, who were slaves. And so for me to then um, dishonor all of those stories to write about these, what? These white (laughs) slave owning, what? People, you know, what is on your mind? Mm -hmm. So um, I have been thinking long and hard about racism, uh, racism, as a topic, as, um, as day-to-day life, as what we face. And it wasn't until a, uh, a young boy asked at a, at a panel that mm-hmm. for the uh, Black Panthers uh, documentary, why mm-hmm. do they hate us? And I did give him an answer and it was, it was kind of brief. It was um, because when they see us, they don't see human beings. Mm-hmm. And I knew I owed him more. And I knew that 
the focus was not going to be on us, on our ancestry, because we don't have the problem. We don't have the problem of racism. That's, as Toni Morrison put in her interview with Charlie Rose, that's a white person problem. Mm-hmm. And so when they fix that, you know, let, 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 let us know. Right. So to me, I just felt like um, I couldn't just treat it simplistically. Um, these evil white people hate us black people. Um, I had to get underneath. I had to try to understand it as uh, something that is like a disease rooted in some kind of origin. What kind of mind cultivates this thought that they can just take a body, a people, and do with them as they will? So that wasn't for my ancestors to answer. That was for their ancestors to answer. Exactly. And so that is... Uh, so that was what I wanted to do. Um, not, 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 it seems like I'm putting them on trial. I'm asking to answer. I'm asking, I'm trying to understand what is it about you that makes you think that that is all right? Because yeah. maybe we can understand why, um, why let's say um, um, people feel that they could just hunt Black people in present day society, hunt people um, and do with them as they will, give them a separate, a different system of justice. What makes this all right? It all has to come back to the root. And I would not put my people on trial to prove their humanity mm-hmm. or to have them answer. I think the other folk got to answer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And your book, without being gruesome, it showed how precarious and fragile the lives of enslaved people were. And it also thoughtfully displayed the many layers of slavery. What were some of the emotions that you experienced writing this book, especially given that your grandparents were born enslaved and your third great-grandfather also fought for the Union soldiers in the Civil War? Not only fought for the Union um, and fought for his people, fought for his family, but he died mm-hmm. yes. in that battle. and mm-hmm. And so to me always the fact that we persist, that Mm -hmm. we are here, Mm -hmm. that they gave life to us, that somehow they were able to, to have family and try to hold on to family and, and just continue on. Um, So to write, to write about those who came up against those who, um, to write about the enslavers at times I had to get up and step away from the work. Mm, Yeah. Because when you write, you put yourself 
inside the souls. Okay, let me just say when I write, I yes. put myself inside the souls of the people. Mm-hmm. And I have to understand who they are are. I can't write about them from a distance, especially if they are going to be uh, a character that is upfront. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I had to understand Bayard, the patriarch. I had to understand Madame, um, her son Lucien. um, And even in understanding them, I had to know what their responses would be and um, and that they would often be callous. They would be without thought because the people, uh, the, the black people, the people of color who served them did not matter. Yes. And so oftentimes I had to step away. And it, it kind of reminds me of the photographer who was shooting um, the brutality that was going down in Selma um, during that great crossing. And, um, and he wanted to help. He wanted to help. And uh, Dr. King told him, don't stop shooting. That's what you're here to do. And so that's what I, that's what I think, that that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to make it as truthful as I can get it. Um, and which means often bringing all the humanity, even to those who did not treat mine with right. humanity. Even though they didn't deserve to be treated with humanity themselves, even though they, you know, it's just, you did a really good job with the characters. And I, that's a, this is a good segue into my next question. It's, obvious that you did a lot of research to build your characters not only from just reading the the end notes but just in the way that the characters made me feel the nuances of them um that i i can tell that there was a lot put into that so i want to talk about a few of them sure start starting with sylvie who (laughs) ah I mean, I just wanted to shake everybody in this book with the exception of the enslaved people because it's just like Sylvie was so, I don't even know how to put it. I mean, just so obtuse in a lot of ways. Um, She was just unfeeling, um, you know, just, I want you to explain the process of how you created her because she just really made me, I rolled my eyes so hard. I swear they were going to get stuck sometimes with the things that she (laughs) did. Well, let me say that history helped me to create um, Sylvie. Mm -hmm. History and trying to understand what a young French woman of some petty nobility what her choices were, what her future looked like. And then I put her in, um, um, in the, in the midst of the, the, the great terror, uh, the French revolution. And, and so I thought, huh, this is an opportunity for me to do a kind of fractured fairy tales. I, 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 I tend to assume fairy tales is coming out of the Euro- European tradition. So mm-hmm. I figured, oh, let me put in a little fairy tale. 
Okay. <laughs> complete with, you know, with the little, like the, the cabbage and the, the whole mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. like, like the pea that the princess sleeps on and all right. of that, you know. So, right. so everything, everything that she comes out of, really, um, I create uh, touches of her culture, of mm-hmm. um, not just a broad culture, but I create a, an ancestry for her. And uh, just to understand where she where she comes out of, and that she is yes she's of a petty nobility, but she's mm-hmm. not as high as she thinks she is. Exactly. Thank you. I was like, she is not all of that, and I love how the painter put her in her place. That just is like get her. <laughs> That's I could not stand her. <laughs> Well, once again, once again, it's history that helped me out. I mean, yes, I did a lot of research. And so even though Madame Elizabeth Vigée Lebrun would not um, appear in the book, Mm -hmm. um, I had to know, I had to know her story. Mm -hmm. I had to know her story because that helped me to have a sense of uh, Marie Antoinette um, mm-hmm. Not just the public persona, but how she was in her salon, um, in her country home, and so mm-hmm. forth. And so uh, that one little story that I read, and it's a very obscure story, it's hard to find, about how the painter dropped her paints and then, um, and then the queen bowed mm-hmm. down to pick them up. Okay, so that was real. That was real. Okay. So that told me... Uh-huh. Madame mm-hmm. Sylvie has mm-hmm. this picture of the queen. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to infuse just a little bit of humanity, perhaps mm-hmm. the bit of her humanity that Sylvie is missing. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, yeah, so each character really does have, um, have a lot of backstory that does not get thrown into the story. It's that mm-hmm. I have to know that they are human so that mm-hmm. I can uh, I can craft responses that are logical and real mm-hmm. to them. But it like I said that's why I know that you did a lot of, you know, research with this because reading through the story and the way that the characters responded and the things they that they said and the things that they didn't say and the things that they did and the things that they didn't do, you could tell that they all had a backstory, you know, and that's not always so obvious in, in books. You can, you know, I, I, it doesn't, I'll put it this way. I don't usually read books that make me think, what is this person's backstory? I don't usually think that way about characters. I just get involved in the story. But with this one, it was like, what is her backstory? You know, with every single character, it's like, what is the backstory here? Because, you know, there's just, just the way that they moved, there just had to be something more there. So I, I truly commend you for, I, when I tell you I loved this book, I truly loved this book. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm going to throw you a little, uh, just one one little piece more about Madame okay. Sylvie. Oh, please um, do. And it's, you know, um, I do, I, I do like my side characters, the small ones that really don't seem to uh, make a ripple in the water, mm-hmm. but they do. Yes. Um, so there is... Uh, there is Marcel. Yeah, I was gonna say Marcel. Remind is is what comes to mind when you say that. Yes, the cook. 
Um, yes. I um, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but you, right. you, you have read you have read her passage, but mm-hmm. it is how she died and what her last thought and what made her heart. gave her a little smile in the end. It it mm-hmm. is bittersweet, mm-hmm. but it's that she knew who she was mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. her and Madame. Mm-hmm. She knew that she outranked her mm-hmm. to a degree. Yes, she did. So. She certainly did. <laughs> she certainly did because, you know, Sylvie had, all she had was from when she was a little, a little girl. And then she, you know, she came over with, with her evil husband and, you know, she didn't have the, the, air of sophistication and the pedigree if you ask me that marcel had exactly yeah yeah i love i was so heartbroken when marcel the just i'm trying not to root i want people if you want to know what we're talking about y'all just have to go get the book and read it but that just broke my heart when she all she did was tell the woman yes she looks like you Yes. And she just flipped out and cast her from her presence, you know? And I'm like, why are you mad at her? The person you should be mad at <laughs> is your husband <laughs> for creeping into the enslaved quarters. But that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, yes. So, okay. Um, okay. I, I, I promise I won't give away much, but I will say that that is a kind of a, um, it's kind of a foreshadowing mm-hmm. of yet another resemblance that happens in mm-hmm. the end. And Thisbe is the first to see it, but I will say no more. Yes. Yes. Don't say no more. Y'all want to no know. <laughs> Y'all have to go get the book and read it, read it, read it. I know something you don't know. <laughs> That or or can I say the audiobook is genius. It is superb. Even when I listened to it, I did not want to open the book at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. Miss Michelle Williams, take me away. <laughs> With all of her per, um all of her um uh, personifications of the of the different characters. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, I might have to listen to it now. I just said to myself, am I really this good? Like I said, (laughs) I am taking all my bows and my roses. Listen, you are really that good. You are really that good. Yes. And for all my audiobook friends out there, if audiobook is what you like, then you just heard it. Go get the audiobook. So now I want to talk about Lucien and his... Yes. You know, I usually curse on my sh- my shows. I'm trying to be good here. I'm trying to be good, but woo, let it all hang out. Listen, his ass, okay? Yes. I just, oh, the thing that really, it's just the way that he saw raping women as a rite of passage for Byron. Yes. And that whole incident where and i'm not gonna i mean this doesn't really give too much away but there was something that he thought happened between byron and um that that did not happen but in his mind it did and because byron 
is of a certain persuasion. He was very happy to see this happen and congratulated his son and, you know, was just kind of winking at him and was, you know, was just relieved that his son was like him because he often partook um, forcefully of the enslaved women. So what was that like to write him? That had to be angering to say the least yeah um what i had to do was say to myself that you forget him women suffered women suffered families suffered do it in their name those who are nameless this is the thought that went behind that mm-hmm. that i that that um that a man could um oh uh, it that an owner, a, a slaveholder, could come and take a wife from her husband, mm-hmm. take a child, take a mother from from child, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is my privilege, my right, mm-hmm. um, to do so. And because I don't see you as quite human, mm-hmm. you have no rights. You are my property. Mm-hmm. So do it and do it as truthfully as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And although he does a monstrous thing and he does mm-hmm. quite, that, that is his, that, that is normal to him. Mm-hmm. I have to convey it as what is normal to him. Right. I can't convey it as, um, the horror that it is. Mm-hmm. I think the reader gets the horror, but yes. I have to do it from his point of, from, um, from how he sees it. Although mm-hmm. I think um, one, we get to see it from her point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Because she has to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And she chooses to live. Mm-hmm. Yep. She does. She does. And that, that's, that goes back to the point that I made about there are so many layers of slavery that it just infuriates me when white people say, get over it. Because it's just like, not even just the obvious of all of the economic, you know, fortune that this country has amassed, that they're still amassing off of the backs of what our ancestors did for them. But even just this layer of family where these these men, and I use that term loosely, they rape these women, these enslaved women, and they have children with them. And these, you know, it's, there are just these layers. There's the all these half brothers and half sisters, and you have the ones that are white and the ones that are that are that are quadroons and octoroons, and it's just there. It's just so. Com- that was the thing that I think struck me most about this book is that the complexities of the brothers and sisters, and yet you had, you know, Byron and um, Rosalie, Rosalie, who were half brother and sister, but yet she also knew that she couldn't really talk to him like a brother. She was always guarded because she was scared that at any moment she could be reminded in a painful way that, yeah, he may be her brother, but he's also her master. You know, just so that complexity of the whole thing. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm also going to have to say this in my book, um, in my book, there is, there is violence, mm-hmm. you know, there is violence and that's what I call rape. I, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say also that there were many, many loving relationships between, mm-hmm. um, uh, slaveholder and the enslaved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and situations created because they could not marry, or sometimes they did try to marry, but mm-hmm. this was not the story that I was going to tell. Someone else can tell that story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I did struggle with that for a moment. I, I did think I could, um, include a loving relationship and in a way I kind of do, but it's still, you know, it's between Laurent, his father mm-hmm. And mother, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the mother is in Paris, because the father uh, um, um, allows her or sponsors her, or that she is freed. I believe she mm-hmm. is freed, but mm-hmm. so, but that is such a side, side, side uh, relationship that that mm-hmm. it does not get to uh, figure into the grand scheme of the interactions between enslaved and mm-hmm. slaveholder, but. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those relationships where, uh, where there is some form of consent or there is love, um, mm-hmm. someone else is going to have to write that. Those are true right. too, but someone right. else will have to write right. that. Right, right, right. It yeah. ain't in my book. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm so glad because, you know, I still, I still question relationships like that, you know, because of course what comes to mind is Sally Hemings and they like to portray this as this, you know, this love between Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. I'm like, it is some form of love may have grown at some point, but when you are a 12 year old enslaved girl to a white man and he says he's going to lay with you, that is not consensual. That is assault. And I, you know, I don't like people who romanticize that he was a pedophile and that was assault, plain and simple. Now, Stockholm syndrome, she may have developed some kind of feelings for him. We don't know. We we can only speculate. But yeah, I'm glad you didn't write that because I just I can't I can't stomach that because I guess they exist. But I really question whether that was really true love. I think wherever there's a power dynamic involved, exactly, it, it's always murky. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's, um, and and but I'm also going to say fair in fairness, um, the times the mm-hmm. relationship between men and women per se were mm-hmm. not what they are today, and because right. of the cultures uh, of. Um, uh, the uh, Louisiana culture or the French culture or, or mm-hmm. European culture, what, whatever, you know, um, the, again, that's still yet a scale that's kind of, that doesn't really fit with what we know today. But right. yes, I do understand exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, you see, it's... I have to know all these things <laughs> right? and then I have to balance what I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which I commend you for because I, I, and even the way that you showed when when the assault happened, it wasn't brutal. It was like you wrote enough for us to get the picture, right? Without it being overwhelming, and and that's another thing that I appreciated because some books that I've read, it's just 
it's so assaulting to the senses that I actually almost felt like I went through it and had to stop reading. But with yours, it's like, it kind of reminds me of how movies were back in the 50s and 60s, like yeah. the, the where they would just have, you know, the man going towards the woman and then they, you know, they cut to another scene where they're both laying the, together. Oh, and the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And, and the wave crashed against the rock. Right. <laughs> and then eventually the sun came out. Yes. Right. <laughs> I, um, I was brought up on those movies. Yes. Um, yes. But, but, you know, right now there, uh, there seems to be a kind of a backlash against, um, I forgot what it is called. Is it called um, slavery porn or slave brutality porn, but it's some kind of pain related mm-hmm. porn. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, where uh, people are writing or producing um, the brutality, but not a right. whole lot else, or really right. playing toward that. And mm-hmm. I, I, um, I just said, okay, I'm going to tell the truth mm-hmm. um, of of this place and of mm-hmm. these people, and I'm going to do it in a way that it is normal for the slaveholders. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to see what their life is, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to make them Simon Legree or some kind of monstrous, you know, um, person. And, and right. so everything is the whip, whip, whip. Now, right. mind you, mind you, I've read <laughs> a lot where that is specifically the right. type of plantation, um, and I hate to say this, but management system mm-hmm. that was going on to produce this work, um, um, uh, whippings around the clock and then, um, uh, people thrown in stock in stockades and all kinds of tortures, Mm -hmm. um, and, and having people work around the clock, all of these different things. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I chose to not do this because I felt who would read it, who would read it. Um, Mm -hmm. on one hand, um, you were going to have ancestors of slaveholders or, or of that culture that will say it was not that bad. And then mm-hmm. on the other hand, you're going to have um, um, ancestors of, uh, uh, rather descendants of the ancestors who will say, okay, that's too much. And I, I, I can't, I just can't, mm-hmm. right. I can't live that. So mm-hmm. I, I thought um, I want to tell the truth but I'm not here to sensationalize anything. Right. Right. And it was just enough. Like I said, it was just enough to give you that so that you know what happens. Yeah. But then it, the story moves forward and I I appreciate that. So now I want to get back to Sylvie (laughs) herself. (laughs) She wanted so badly to preserve her family heritage through this sitting, which is for what the book is named, a sitting in St. James. And for people who may not know, a sitting is when uh, a person sat to have their likeness painted. And she was adamant about this to the point where I was like, can somebody please just paint her portrait so she will shut the hell up about it, please? (laughs) Because she was adamant about this, but... This thing that she was so adamant that she just knew would preserve her family heritage ended up being the beginning of her family's undoing. 
And there's a lot of symbolism there. So I wanted you to kind of unpack that a little bit for our readers. Yeah, it's okay. okay. So um, when you said um, the beginning of the, um, I think you said the beginning of the end, um, Mm -hmm. uh, in my head, I went back to like 1972, 71, and I heard this song called Funky Nassau by... <laughs> by this group called The Beginning of the End. And oh, no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it gets funky in the end. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, um, uh, well, well, yes. Um, how can it not? How, how right. can it not be the undoing? Um, I, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to give things away because that right. is the ending and mm-hmm. what happens and, mm-hmm. and what have you. But, um, it, but literature always shows you that when you want something beyond um, a natural desire, mm-hmm. that you will pay the cost for that. Mm-hmm. We've seen that in you. You name it. Um, what is it? Um, oh, Beowulf, and oh, mm-hmm. and he wanted a monument to himself. Ha ha. Uh huh. You know, uh, if you want it beyond um, beyond reason, then mm-hmm. you will pay for it. And right. so, and so, this is basically what happens here. And boy, did she! Because I'm not going to give it away, but I will tell y'all that was the beginning of everything going left for her. <laughs> <laughs> everything just unraveled from there. So, yeah. yeah, just like we're laughing, we have to kind of laugh at the end of this book. We we do, um, yes, because. <laughs> Uh, well, well, there is humor in the book, but because mm-hmm. there's so much that goes on, we really just need the release. Yeah. You know, in, in yeah. this book and the way that the characters are set up, we just need the release. Mm-hmm. I was so tickled at the end of the way you tied everything up. I was just like clapping like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Henri. I was so glad. Yes. I'm not going to say what happens, but when when Lucien right, and, and Sylvie went to go stop. look for something. You better stop right there. Are you kidding me? People are going to just play this podcast. Think like, oh, I got this story. I got it. I got it. Oh, nope, see, nope, what, nope. What, what other book is, what else is Oprah recommending? Oh. Don't you give it away now. Oh, I just loved it. I just loved it. It was so poetic justice. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so so I'm going to give you one that is not in the book. Okay. Oh. Because the story often swirls in my mind thereafter, and Mm -hmm. it takes a while for it to stop, even though I have written the end, and that is the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The little boy that um, the little boy that is the stable boy, mm-hmm. um, he is the grandson of Henri. Oh, okay. And so, therefore, he is a Gilbert. Yes, he is. And uh, so, I'm going to just uh, well, I have an image of him telling the story with his children surrounding him 
That sounds good. And you're going to have to guess where he is, where he's telling the story. Don't guess. Don't guess. Don't give it away now. <laughs> I was going to say, because I know where he and yeah. I know where Henri ended up. <laughs> so I'm just going to zip my lip. <laughs> but, you know, that that's just how it is when um, when you really build the characters and you understand them, you take the time to understand them and mm-hmm. um, and what their trajectory is. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can so you. Uh, for me, I can see them and hear them long after they're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I mean, each one of the characters in this book could literally have their own book. Yes, they it's, could. Um, yes. Uh, God bless somebody who's going to go ahead and do all of that. <laughs> so it's not going to be you. It huh? ain't going to be me. Maybe I'll, French, I'll franchise my story. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you know, we got some storylines there. I, you know, we could start with Henri and. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at one point in the book, one of the characters, Rosalie, who we've mentioned. Yes. It's happy that she's finally going to be allowed into her grandmother's house as a guest. That's a whole nother story. Y'all gonna have to read the book to understand why that's so significant. Yes. But. When she tells her mother, Camille, her mother has a very poignant question that really kind of sums up the life to me of every enslaved person. And she asked her, she said, the gumbo is stirred, my love, but who is the cook? That was powerful. Yes. Well, um, you know, the hardest thing in this story, well, one of the hardest things was to take a character that is so full bodied to me and then distill them down mm-hmm. because to add more of them would take the story in different directions. Mm-hmm. And I had to sacrifice um, Camille in that way, but mm-hmm. she um, is that she is that ingredient. When you put her in, mm-hmm. you know, um, she is, she makes this, she makes the scene powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sometimes in the in the families uh, um, of this nature, mixed blood families, um, and where they uh, where the children are related to or the children of the slaveholder, oftentimes they can't help but feel their privilege. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so sometimes, you know, they might get a little ahead of themselves, Mm -hmm. um, or feel that, um, that, wow, um, you know, things, things are really happening for me, Mm -hmm. whatever the feeling might be. But Mm -hmm. the mother is always there to say, it seems like freedom, but someone is already stirring the pot. So Mm -hmm. you are just one of the ingredients in the pot. Right. That was powerful. That was very powerful because, you know, no enslaved person really had any control over their lives. They would like to think that they did, but it's like you said, they just were an ingredient in a recipe. Yeah. Some, many learned how to use, um, many learned how to work around, to mm-hmm. make advantages 
for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there will be many, I, I read a lot of uh, slave narratives um, mm-hmm. and, um, and so th- that is certainly true, mm-hmm. but um, you'll have to read about that in someone else's book. I think there is a wonderful <laughs> movie uh, series on about a Jamaican um, plantation um, uh, and the and the woman the um, the enslaved woman is really she is really the mm-hmm. she is the queen of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was not the story that I'm here to tell. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You were there to answer that question that that little boy asked, yeah. and that that you did. So at different intervals throughout the book, you began some of the chapters talking about patience. Yes. Why was that important to include? Um, well, first of all, um, I, I think it's because I have a little bit of that ADD kind of, you know, bing, bong, bing, you know, like, <laughs> you know, jumping here, jumping there, you know. And so um, I think I was talking to myself as much as I was speaking to the reader. But I was mm-hmm. basically asking the reader to trust me. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, uh, uh, put yourselves in my hands. I promise you, I promise you through all that you're going to go through, mm-hmm. you can make this journey because this is a hard journey for many of us to take on both yes. sides. Mm-hmm. It is a hard journey to read about this history. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm there to say that this will be a very human story and um, and you can make it. And mm-hmm. it will illuminate much for you. I I believe. I hope. That's my hope, and mm-hmm. that it will be worth it to go yes. through it, whether you agree mm-hmm. or not. It mm-hmm. I I'm. It is my hope that you will feel that the journey would have been worth it. It was worth it. Y'all need to read the book. It will be worth it. I promise you. <laughs> And speaking of that, there were a couple of times where you actually spoke directly to the reader. And the one in particular that I was so, it it just kind of caught me off guard was where Sylvie beat Fisbee's hand with the brush. Can I read that? Yes. You have a minute? Yeah. Go ahead. Do we? Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, All right. So, hmm. Here we are. Okay, so th- this will take me about five minutes if it's yeah. okay to read the entire. Yep. Yeah. It's, listen, it's my show. I can do what I want. Go ahead and I'll read this. it <laughs> Madame looked up from her solitaire to find Marie and Louise standing before her. There was no need for their presence. She hadn't called for them. Well, she asked. Please, Madame Sylvie, Marie said. We need more hands to manage the party. Please, Madame Sylvie, Louise said. Let cook help us serve. Madame's face tensed. Certainly not. Cook stays in the cookhouse. The request seemed too much for Madame, and Thisbe waved the fan over her until Madame fussed at her to stop. No, no, certainly not. Cook has no proper serving dress. No, she will ruin my party. This meant defeat to Marie and Louise. They knew Cook had the stamina to butcher 
chop, fry, and bake in the cookhouse. She could stand on her feet and sweat and had never been sick a day and had no children and no man to care for. She had once been given a helper who fainted several times from being enclosed in the hot brick room. The helper was sent back to the cane field. Cook didn't have what Marie or Louise had, or Thisbe for that matter. She didn't have the proper respect for class, gentility. She couldn't be made to serve quietly, pleasantly, and most importantly, invisibly. The thought of the large woman serving the matrons of Madame Society and saying, Here, Madame, made Madame shudder. No amount of beating or coaching could change Cook's demeanor. Better to keep Cook in the cookhouse where she sweat over the food. Certainly not. Please, Madame Sylvie, let Thisbe help, Marie said. She does nothing all day. Thisbe made no expression. For this, among other things, Marie and Louise despised Thisbe. The sisters passed eyes to Thisbe. At least swat when the horsefly buzzes your ear. Thisbe read them well and answered silently with the slightest spread of her lips. Better the horsefly than a hornet. Certainly not, Madame said, oblivious to their silent exchange. You waste my time and yours. Think of all you could have done in the time you spent complaining. Yes, Madame Sylvie, they both said. Marie turned to go. But Louise eyed Thisbe with her utmost scorn. Thisbe smiled. When they left, Madame scolded. You see what happens because of the painter? They see you cleaning his things, carrying his water, and they forget you are my servant. Please pardon, Madame Sylvie, Thisbe said. I told Lebrun to use your hands and legs to assist him in the work for my portrait. I told Lebrun not to put ideas in your mind, and he has you looking at me, then looking at my portrait. You see this, my assistant? You see that? She said, mimicking him. And you, you dare to show your teeth and laugh in public. No, Thisbe, this is not good. Even my house servants forget themselves to tell me what I should do because they see you. Pardon, madame, have pity. Madame's face was stone. Fetch me the brush. Yes, madame Sylvie. Thisbe hurried to the vanity and retrieved the sterling brush, knowing its intended use. The brush, madame Sylvie. Madame took the brush. You are a body, Madame said, not a whole person. So I must punish your body with what strength I have. Now, hold out your hand, not the palm. Turn it over, the black side. Dear reader, if you must know, but cannot imagine, the answer is rage. The girl called Thisbe felt silent, gelled up rage behind her mask 
as she did as her mistress commanded. Yes. And I mean, you could read your own audiobook. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Oh. I, I was totally like enthralled. Like, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> But yeah, that was just, I was like, oh, I, I just, I'm glad that you put that note in there because there may be people who are not black who can't relate to that. And so you let them know, yes, she has gelled rage for what this woman is doing to, and to tell her, to have the audacity to tell her that she is not a whole person that she is just a body. I'm glad I wasn't born during those times because I probably would, <laughs> I would not have made it because that right there, I would have just lost it and just, you know, been beaten until I died because that, that just, whew, that was a lot. A lot of our people said no and they paid. Mm -hmm. often with their lives mm -hmm. um, or were sold or were mm -hmm. brutalized beyond mm -hmm. measure to serve mm -hmm. as a, as an example. Um, mm -hmm. And many of us took it. Yeah. And many of us took it and held the rage inside. Mm -hmm. yes. And oftentimes took that rage and made it small so that mm -hmm. it would not consume. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, every day, a person of color who, have, who has come, who, uh, whose ancestors have, um, have uh, been a part of um, this enslavement, that this part of history, um, I, I feel that every day that we wake up, we mm -hmm. should include them in our praise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Include them in our praise because if not for them, we would not be here. Because exactly. Think of it. Mm -hmm. We we ain't standing for it, right? Right. But they but had the, to. They had no choice. Yes. They had no choice. And the choices that were made, they they knew that death was death was often the, you know, uh, the outcome, yes. Would be the outcome. Mm -hmm. or to be separated from family. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the fact that they somehow held on yes. um, and that they uh, had children mm -hmm. and, um, and loved mm -hmm. and, um, and produced this generation, mm -hmm. that we are their legacy. Yes. We are the legacy, so mm -hmm. we so we have to, you know, every day, we, you know, we are we're doing everything that they could not do. Yep, just like I have a pair of earrings that say, "I am my ancestors' wildest dreams." Yes, yeah, because that's that's never lost on me. Yes, that you know, because so, a, a lot of times people will say, "I don't want to read about slavery." I don't exactly. Be reminded of it, and it's like, okay, well, if they went through it, exactly, the, the least I can do is know about it. Because if they didn't go through that and have the sheer determination and will, because that's basically what it boiled down to, sheer determination and will. If they didn't have that, none of us would be here. Yes. And, and faith. And faith. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. That that is never ever lost on me. Never lost on me. And so this is why I wrote a sitting in St. James in the way that I wrote it. Um, so that as you're reading it, you never forget that you're reading about human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there, there will be times that you will root for people that you didn't think you'd root for, um, mm-hmm. for, for certain aspects, um, certain situations. And then there are times where you will curse that their mother, curse their mother's father's brothers. <laughs> and every, right. And everybody <laughs> who put them on this earth. Yes. Yes. You know, and, yes. and, um, and so it, all of that so that we can maybe get through and have some thoughts about this and mm-hmm. have some discussion and um, agree here, disagree there, mm-hmm. you know, th- have that kind of back and forth and, and right. engagement. Um, but overall, to me, appreciation for the ancestors. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help but every every morning just really uh, giving praise that I'm here mm-hmm. and all that, that have created me. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Byron and Pierce. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I love how you talked about in the back of the book where Pierce came from, from this kind of daydream that you had about this man brushing his horse. And then he kind of spoke to you in a dream. But why did you choose to include them in the type of relationship that they were in? Okay, I think it's it's I think it's fine to say that uh, this book is LGBTQ inclusive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that um, um, and that uh, Byron and Pierce um, are lovers. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you said it. I wasn't going to give it away. You no, said no, it. That's no. fine. I, I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, um, because. You know, um, I, I, I did, I know I had the, I had the vision, but mm-hmm. I wanted to also know and understand what was going on, um, in terms of, um, the community that there, uh, probably was not much of a community, um, right. uh, back then, but what was going on, um, and where we get our terms from Con- confirmed batch bachelor um, mm-hmm. spinster, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all, all these things, you know, um, a lot of people, um, who, who were, uh, LGBTQ, um, mm-hmm. who identified non-binary, um, mm-hmm. at, or understood themselves and understood what they wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. see, we didn't have all of that language. We didn't even have the word homosexuality until I believe it was the, uh, early 1900s or the mm-hmm. late eight, 19th century. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, those people lived in secret, um, or there, or there was kind of a kind of a boys will be boys, and then when it's time for them to get married, they leave their uh, their childish behavior mm-hmm. behind them. Because um, think about it. Even though there was premarital sex, mm-hmm. 
the penalty for premarital sex, especially for people of any kind of society, was severe. Yes. So if um, so if um, if young people kind of you know got into sexual situations with each other, uh, it could be explained away as waiting to get married. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people, you know, they 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 um, they conform to society. Mm-hmm. They married. Um, they married the opposite sex, mm-hmm. um, and um, and they bore, uh, they produced and bore children, mm-hmm. um, and then in some way, shape, or form of their life, they were allowed to have some measure of their true selves. Right. Um, sometimes, like uh, uh, men um, going away to uh, gentlemen's clubs or or meeting up with someone or, or, or what have you, but would have to be very discreet because you had laws in place. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and again, the penalties were often severe. Um, it was kind of the known secret Mm -hmm. that people did not even have this discussion in, um, in, in public. And so, so what, um, what it was like back then could not, it, it just does not compare to the freedoms that that um, that are today, mm-hmm. um, and any more than the free uh, than life today does not compare to say twenty years ago, mm-hmm. um, and that we have um, we have now caught up with um, with the correctness that does not allow us to even think or say mm-hmm. um, the derogatory of people within the community, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just not done. Um, and so, um, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about these two boys who loved each other. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe one, maybe more than the other. I think they both came, uh, came to their relationship with different expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also couched within the expectations of life during that period. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could see that, um, that there is genuine affection. There is certainly a great, a, a enormous attraction, um, mm-hmm. between them. And, and I want, I, I believe, um, I might be wrong, but I believe Byron and Pierce might be the only couple in the book to have sex. I think a good deal of what is going on in terms of relations is mm-hmm. forced, is yep. violent. <clears throat> right. Theirs so, is the only consensual one. Yes. So theirs is mm-hmm. consensual. And that mm-hmm. was important to me to mm-hmm. um, to have this consensual relationship. And besides, again, you know, it's when your, your research conspires to tell the story uh, mm-hmm. from uh, visiting plantations and seeing um, all the setups like the Garcinier, um, which was, uh, you know, that was a, that was a common practice. Um, once mm-hmm. a boy reached about maybe 13 or something, he moved mm-hmm. into his own separate quarters. I, I call mm-hmm. it the masturbatorium, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, he moved into his own separate quarters. And right. so to me that said, aha, so I can have mm-hmm. um, Pierce come down 
and mm-hmm. stay with Byron in his separate right. quarters. Because right. it, uh, before, before I really dove into the, um, the uh, research and, mm-hmm. and, and had this, um, this room, this option, this apartment, um, I began to think about, okay, yes, the boys are going to stay together and they're right. going to have sex, but mm-hmm. then the whole book would be all about how um, they would have sex and not be mm-hmm. discovered, which right. is kind of kind of a um, you know it's kind of a predicament because of the way of the architecture of the homes, the mm-hmm. open uh, like the open doors uh, where there are no halls. It just mm-hmm. you know it's like one 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 big parlor with right. kind of you, you know. So I just said, oh, that's going to be cha- that's going to be part of my challenge. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm going to have to write the obligatory. They were almost found or something. Right. Um, and and so uh, so again, having the having the separate quarters really helped me um, to give them their own space, and we could see them in a relationship together, um, and and through being together, but also having their squabbles and right and, and all of that, you know. Yeah, and there was a couple times where my heart stopped when when uh, Lucien came in, and I was like, oh my God, he's gonna find him. <laughs> he's gonna. What's gonna happen? And I was like, "What?" I was, I was actually sitting there, like, "Wake up, y'all gotta wake up." <laughs> and thankfully, that one time they were like not in a precarious position, and I was like, "Whoo!" <laughs> yes, that was whoo. that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, side note, I think. Jane was probably my favorite. <laughs> I think Jane there's, there's going hilarious. to be a Jane. I, I believe there will be a Jane fan club somewhere out there. A Jane, um, what would it fan fiction somewhere out yes. there? Yes. Yeah, Jane is the bomb. She is. She is hilarious. She was like, I don't wish, you know. <laughs> she was just so matter of fact with everything, and the way she charged on her horse, and the way she just when you know when Pierce just egged her on, I was like, come on, come swim, you know. And Byron was like, don't do that, don't <laughs> do that. And she's like, what? I'm hot, and she just takes off everything and just. All right now. All right now. What you want everybody to ever play? Okay. That was just so. Leave a little bit. Leave a little bit for the readers. Jane was, y'all will laugh. Jane is hilarious through this whole book. She's just, she's such a breath of fresh air. And like, I don't feel like she has, she's not caught up with all of the racism because I think she herself kind of feels a little bit of what it's like to be outcast because her own family doesn't want her. And, you know, she, her, her mother was expecting her to, you know, be a boy and she wasn't. And so, you know, I think she kind of relates to them a little bit. Yeah. You know, I I think, yeah. Um, Jane was a, Jane was a fun character to write. Um, And, um, you know, I just enjoyed her so much because it it's it's also okay. So 
if you have a character who is um who is kind of steeped in tradition and everything mm-hmm. everything must be the way it should be you know right. we are up here and this, mm-hmm. these are the things that we do if you have um madame who hates all things new mm-hmm. all things american <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and all of that when you have a character like that then you have to have the the opposite now her right. son is that to a degree mm-hmm but now you have in Jane someone who um, who can who really does who really is kind of the opposite, but yes. she gives the reader a little something um, through all of this that we have to go through. She she does bring the reader a little something to to smile at. Yes, what? she does. Like she that. is hilarious. <laughs> she pulls no punches. <laughs> I enjoyed writing Jane. I could tell she was amazing. She was the levity that the book needed to make me not be so angry at this family. Yeah. And especially Sylvie. So yeah, she was the bright spot of the book. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm going, I'm mad at you because <laughs> <laughs> Rosalie, again, Sylvie's <laughs> granddaughter. Okay. She ends up, I'm not going to say, everything that happens, but she basically right. ends up saving the family. Right. Sewing uniforms. <laughs> for somebody. Okay. Why? 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 Why couldn't you just have her build a life for herself? I know. Why? I know. I know. But um, again, I have to be truthful. You know, um, I have to be truthful. She would not have gotten that um, that uh, consignment order. Mm-hmm. She would not have gotten that order. But um, but I could see that she could have gotten that from where she got it from. Okay. And it, so it has to be truthful. And it does not mean that she is for one side versus the other. It means, right. again, she knows where she is. Right. She knows right. where she is, mm-hmm. and she also um, uh, she inherits something from the grandfather she never met. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was uneducated, but yet he managed to amass some gold. Mm-hmm. He had a working sensibility that, even though I'm not on the same plane as all of you. Uh, the bourgeoisie, the mm-hmm. aristocratic, and all of that—the intel, the educated—I um, know value. Mm-hmm. I know value, and mm-hmm. I know how you know. And so she has that too. Mm-hmm. She has that too, and then some because um, she does have something of an education. Right, she does. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay. she she is a lot. You could see she's a lot smarter than her father. Mm-hmm. She is just in a particular situation, and isn't that the way it was for the enslaved? Many had come uh, if they came directly from the uh, from the mother country. Um, they came with skills. Yes, they did. They came with many skills, mm-hmm. and and um, it, some in many ways they were able to convey that they um, that they could do iron work or they could carve or they could mm-hmm. do architecture or they could you know that they were more than a body mm-hmm. 
um, to sweat and, and in, in, in the fields or what have mm-hmm. you. And so, um, but they had to be smart enough to, um, to convey what they can do, but also not let the master know how smart they were. Right. Right. And this is even, even she might be, you know, she might be, uh, the, the, uh, slaveholder's daughter, but she is still, um, she is still, um, an enslaved person and she has to think in ways she has to take what skills she has and use them to seemingly benefit the slaveholder, but to always hold on to her cards. And so while Madame is always talking about, we play the hand that we are dealt, mm-hmm. it's her, her, you know, the, uh, um, Rosalie, who's never had a real, real relationship with her, and Thisbe, you know, they are, they exemplify it. She mm-hmm. says it, but they exemplify it. Mm-hmm. They are smart enough to play their hand right. and to withhold their cards when it's time to withhold. Right. Are you sure it is not going to be a secret to this book? <laughs> <laughs> At least one. Can you give me one? Just one? Oh, Lord have mercy. They have to pay me so many millions to do it because I, I'm, um, I, I don't have the mental energy. I <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm going to be honest. I could, and I hate to put it in these terms, but this is exactly what I mean. I could rape myself and churn something out. Mm. I could. But I can't be happy with that for no amount of money. Just a short story? Can I I get a short story? (laughs) I think that... (laughs) The closest I would come would be to go, um, because I have not written about this subject for the middle grade, is to go um, back to the period when the um, when the uh, people who are teens and low twenties um, are children. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it would not be the same kind of story because it mm-hmm. would be written for, um, say, ages nine oh well 10 to 12 mm-hmm. you know okay so i gotcha um that, i think that's the that's the only that's the only other um, um kind of expansion that i can think of that i would be somewhat willing to do i i, I have to think about it a lot though um but um the, the the only i think the only other form that i would be interested in is a uh, visual um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to see um, um, to see uh, season one episode right <laughs> yes. I, think, I think that would be it um, yes um, I, you know I, I, I don't want people to just consume this and then mm-hmm. want to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. I want them I want this to really sit with the reader and right. um, to really contemplate um, and um and to have discussion, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be great to be able to have book discussion um, <laughs> with uh, with different sides represented, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and to not have a shouting match. Listen, 
You can't, no, absolutely not. You cannot write this book and not have a book discussion without shouting matches. Oh, hell no. No, there's going to be some shouting, sis. I'm sorry. Well, the reader has spoken, but, right. but I want us to hear each other. I do mm-hmm. want us to hear each other. You're going to hear me when I'm shouting. <laughs> Through the shout, I, I want us to be able to hear each other. Yeah, but, okay. But this is this is what I say. You know, when I write a book, I of course you've listened to me warble on about you know what's behind the book and what I'm mm-hmm. thinking and all of mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and all of that to me goes into the book. But right. once I send it out there, it is no longer mine. Right. It is not mine. It is how the reader reads it. Mm-hmm. And that is always the right answer, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what people choose to do with it in their minds is, you know, I, I have, it's, it's theirs. It is then theirs. And I'm telling you, you need a sequel. <laughs> and since the reader is always right, <laughs> you take whatever rest you need, but I need a sequel. Child, I need some money, some real money. Listen, (laughs) listen, if I could write you a check, I would, because I need to know. (laughs) I need, I need, I I, I need, I need Henri's story. I need Fisby's story. I need, I need Henri's grandson. I need, I need, I mean, I know a little bit about Byron and Pierce, but I need all of these things. And, and Jane and, and Eugene, you <laughs> just threw that little piece in there. I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I mean, I kind of guessed from that one thing, but what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're just going to leave all these little things and then just be like, all right, y'all, I'm done. <laughs> Have fun and don't shout when you talk about it. Really? <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. Um, I can't control what y'all gonna do. <laughs> Just go on and do it, y'all. Listen. I, I can control what I do. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all, we we all need to just, like, bug her until she decides to write a sequel to the book. That's all I'm saying. You, you, hear, you hear I'm laughing. Cause, it, it needs cause, to happen. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> like I said, there's a whole lot of ADD going on up in here. You know, if I had clarity of mind, I would, I would be able to like organize my household. I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> okay. So if I pay somebody to organize your house, will you write the see? <laughs> <laughs> I think they would be like me. Uh, what kind of money are you paying me to, to, deal, to deal with, with this chaos? <laughs> oh no, stop. <laughs> Well, Rita, tell readers where they can find your book. Um, okay, this is where I'm bad at it. But, okay, so, so yes, there's the big behemoth bookstores where you can buy my books. And, yes, I'm grateful that they're selling it. But mm-hmm. you know what? If you go to your local bookstore, if they don't have it, ask them mm-hmm. to order it. Ask right. them to order it. Let's, let us... Um, let us support the the small 
bookstores. Let's shop local and shop indie where we can. Yes. And um, and uh, and also um, the um, the independent bookstores that are online as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but go as local as you can and and ask these people to um, to supply the book. But I can tell you. Um, uh, that there is a, uh, if you Googled um, maybe like autograph copies. So there's, uh, there's about like 50 bookstores nationwide that have autograph copies of a city in St. James. Really? Um, uh, yeah. So, so that's one way to, uh, to get my chicken scratch. Um, okay. On your shelf. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. If um, um, I, I think it's like, throughout the states um mm-hmm. okay maybe not in wyoming um but it's <laughs> so random <laughs> she said maybe not in wyoming but already <laughs> then um but uh, i'm sure if um it, it's it's kind of everywhere um, okay or in my in my mind it's everywhere oh okay, okay. <laughs> truth be told now i live in jamaica queens uh-huh i had to get on a uh, get on a subway and a bus to um to find this um, this bookstore in Kew Gardens, it's called Kew and Hill, and okay. I and 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 I had to ask them to order it because it wow. was not there. And Ugh. here I am. I'm a lo- I'm a local I'm a local gal. You know, um, right. like 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 five miles away. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I had to ask them to. But you know what? This is how it is. Um, right. Uh, in in your hometown, oftentimes you know they don't they don't seen you go into the the shopping market with your uh, with your coupons and everything. So uh-huh. you know, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes Rita. You know, <laughs> but um, um, I, I I just say I just say um, go local. Um, right. uh, call call your bookstores ahead of time. Ask them, do you have a sitting in St. James? Can you order it for me? I'm coming in right. to pick it up. Let's let's right. help these brick and mortar stores because it's just so wonderful to just go inside a store and um, you know and and browse and pick yes. up books and Absolutely. see all uh, see all of these lovely authors who are writing these fabulous books. Uh, yes. Myself included. <laughs> yes, absolutely you included. Absolutely. And where can we find you on social media and the internet? Okay. Thank goodness I have children to hook me up. Um, okay. So, uh, okay, on Twitter I am one crazy Rita. Okay. Um and uh, Instagram. I'm Rita Rita dot Williams Garcia. Maybe okay. Um, <laughs> she said maybe. Um, Facebook. I'm Rita dash Williams or underscore Williams Garcia. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow, <laughs> if you Google them, they will show up. Okay, I'm looking at Instagram. On Instagram, you're it's all one word, oh, Rita okay. Williams Garcia. Oh, there there I go. Uh, and I just followed you. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can I say something to everybody because I don't want them to be mad. Um, yes. I, I, I don't follow a whole lot of people on Instagram because I got Instagram by accident. My <laughs> daughter posted something about her son, um, my grandchild. Mm-hmm. And so I 
liked it. And then I had Instagram. And the only first, only thing I want to see on Instagram is pictures of my grandchild. And so when you have all these on your feed, how do you get to your grandchildren? You know, okay. Right. So, so, all right. So, okay. But, but I follow everybody. I, I, um, I follow everybody on, on the other one, Twitter. On Twitter. Okay. Um, so. And um, sometimes I'm on Facebook. Um, okay. Um, and. I, I know that I know. And then you, you also have a website. It's oh, do, Rita. Yes, I do. yes, you do. Yes, RitaWG.com. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's also um, Rita Williams Garcia at Squarespace. Okay. It dep- Like if you hit Rita Williams um, Garcia.com, it should take you to the Squarespace place. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Thank goodness I have children who do all this stuff because, <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> Um, I tried to post something once and um, my daughter looked at it. She said, mom, take that down. I said, why? <laughs> she said, because you are literally using paste and glue. You cut this out with scissors and you smacked it on a background with paste and glue. No, oh, take that. No, mom, no. that's not it. That's not right. Okay. So my, yeah. ch- my children's are my, my children are my handlers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Uh, Stephanie Garcia um, and also to um, uh, editor of Black Content, Black Stuff at NBC News. Um, Shout out to my kids. (laughs) Wow. Yes. Hello, children, grown women. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Well, Rita, thank you so much for sharing your time and your talents with us today. I am so honored to have had you. This was so much fun and I truly enjoyed your book. Thank you. Thank you. Um, It was a joy to be here and you just made me laugh so much. (laughs) Sequel, like I'm going to do that. I'm going to work on it, y'all. She's going to just going to be a sequel. I'm just saying. We're going to work on it. And Boozer Burst, you know how I do. I'm going to leave you with a quote. And today it's from the late, great Toni Morrison. It's a little bit of a long one. If I take your race away and there you are all strung out and all you got is your little self. And what is that? What are you without racism? Are you any good? Are you still strong? Are you still smart? Do you still like yourself? I mean, these are the questions. Part of it is, yes, the victim. How terrible it's been for black people. I'm not a victim. I refuse to be one. If you can only be tall because somebody is on their knees, then you have a serious problem. And my feeling is that white people have a very, very serious problem. And they should start thinking about what they can do about it. Take me out of it. Until next time, y'all, you know what to do. Grab a book and read, and I'm out. You've been listening to Between the Reads. I'm your host, Audra Russell. Thanks for lending me your ear. This week's episode was brought to you by loyal Patreon supporters, author D.L. White, whose warm romantic fiction featuring black men and women can be found at booksbydlwhite.com, Xanthine's All Natural Products, which you can find at xanthines.com, that's X-A-N-T-H-I-N-E-S.com, 
the ultimate in urban literature, Paper Chase Publications, which you can find at paperchasepublications.com and by melaninlibrary.com, bringing some melanin to your pages by giving you an ever-growing database of books by Black authors. Because why not? Tune in next week for another great episode.